The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, Panthers fans? This is the four-man rush coming at you with another uh, preview of the upcoming Week 8 matchup. Carolina Panthers, who are now in fourth place with a record of 3-4, and four, are traveling to Atlanta to take on a third place, 3-3 three and three Atlanta Falcons. Uh, tonight, look like it's just going to be a cover two with uh, myself and Big Smooth holding it down. Maybe one of the, maybe Jadaris will join us in a little bit later, but if not, uh, we'll definitely uh, make sure you guys get the full breakdown of this upcoming matchup. Uh, the Panthers are currently on a four-game losing streak after starting off 3-0. They've dropped their last four. Uh, needless to say, this last win was probably one of the most disappointing losses in franchise history. Looking to go to Atlanta to turn our luck around. Um, so we're just going to take a look at the matchups and see what best serves first. Uh, just a quick recap of the series here. Uh, last year, the Panthers and the Falcons split. Both of the road teams won. The Panthers won in Atlanta back on uh, October the 11th of last year, 23-16. And then Atlanta came back a couple of weeks later and won in Charlotte, 25-17. So both of those games were decided by a score or less. Uh, heading into this matchup here all time. Uh, the Falcons have won 10 of the last 14 games. Uh, playing the Panthers in a regular season ever since the Panthers last swept the Falcons in the 2013 season. So needless to say, Falcons own our seem to have our number lately. And overall, uh, the Falcons have won 33 games, and we've won 19 games when facing them head-to-head. So definitely, uh, definitely it's time for us to make up some ground in that area. Uh, but looking, coming to this matchup here uh, for Week 8, um, when we take a look at the – uh, matchup of the Falcons um, offense against the Panthers defense. Um, just looking at their depth chart here, looks like the Atlanta Falcons are heavy 11 personnel. That means they're coming out with one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers. Um, we're no stranger to this personnel for the most part. Uh, Matt Ryan, who's been pretty much having his way for us for throughout most of his career, uh, still the quarterback, still throwing. Pretty good at, at a pretty good effectiveness. Uh, a little bit of change at running back here. They now have uh, Cordero Patterson, who's kind of been a jack all trade, seems to be their primary running back. With former Panther Mike Davis seems to be the backup after signing with the Lennon all season. Um, coming in at the uh, wide receiver spots, of course, we know Calvin Ridley, who's pretty much had his way uh, with the Panther secondary um, since uh, coming into the league. Um, but overall, smooth. When you look at this matchup, um, with you living in Atlanta, you know for the last several years, uh, I know this has always been a, a rivalry that's that's really um, while you living there really has your attention. Um, how did what's your initial glance when you look at the uh, Falcons' offense against the Panthers' defense? Well, <clears throat> like you mentioned, identity has changed quite a bit 
with some uh, with a new face, couple new faces. You know, they got a rookie, Kyle Pitts. Pretty much everybody was high on. A lot of people thought he was the best player, period, in the draft. And um, it's starting to show. You know, he had a slow start to the season, but right now he's leading the Falcons in all, pretty much all the receiving categories. Uh, Mike Davis is still getting the load, but he's not – pause. He's not uh, – <laughs> he's not nearly as effective as he was in Carolina. You know, he, he's still leading the team in carries, but he's only averaging like three yards a carry, 3.2 yards a carry or something like that. Like you mentioned, Cordell Patterson has been their Swiss Army knife. He's catching balls out of the backfield. Um, he's been handling the load when he when he needed to. Pause again. And also, you know, he's still a, re he's still a receiver threat. That's his original position. So they got a Swiss Army knife back there. They've got a dynamic playmaker in Kyle Pitts. And, you know, you still got to remember about Calvin Ridley, who seemed to have, who seemed to have had Dante Jackson's number since they both came into the league. So that's the matchup that I'm going to be interested in looking at to see, you know, with Dante's improvement, will he be able to lock down Calvin Ridley finally? But um, offensively, it still is the, the identity has changed because they're kind of taking, you know, what the Titans used to do. They want to establish the run, you know, Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson get a, a bunch of carries every game, and then they just try to open up with play action. When you watch Matt Ryan throw the ball, that's what he's always been best at is play action until recently. So I think what they're going to try to do against us is establish the run via those two guys and try to create some big plays with play action. Yeah, definitely it seems like lately the uh... – Panther, I mean, uh, the Falcons offense has came to life lately. Um, I know they started off 0 and 3. Uh, we were 3 and 0, you know, we and uh, a lot of us in the in the Panthers Falcons rivalries group kind of feeling ourselves. My, how the tables have turned, uh, in less than a month. Uh, but you know, when I look at this matchup here, uh, particularly against the uh, Falcons uh, offense here. Uh, they definitely have a lot of weapons that can put up some points. Uh, just looking at how they've uh, played lately. I mean, yeah, they played the Miami Dolphins, uh, which they won on a last second field goal this uh, yesterday, 30-28. Uh, they was able to put up 27 points against the New York Jets in London. Uh, they was able to put up 30 points against the uh, Washington football team. So, you know, their last three games, you know, they're, they're hovering right around 30 points a game. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Uh, the Panthers' defense, talent-wise, is a lot better than uh, both the Jets and the Dolphins. I think we can already get the Redskins – I mean, excuse me, Washington football team front four is probably more talented. But uh, as far as overall strength, um, I like to say the Panthers' on defense is definitely more talented. Uh, one of the things that me and you both have kind of hung a hat on the last couple of seasons looking at the Falcons was – their offensive line has pretty much uh, been an area where we can exploit and take advantage of, uh, particularly on the right side with the uh, at guard. They have uh, Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College and at tackle Caleb McGarry um, out of University of Washington. You know, they went up and I believe they made both of those guys first round picks a couple years ago. Um, Big Smooth, if I'm not mistaken. I know you kind of. Yeah, they took, just they took Lindstrom really early, earlier than they thought. I think people viewed him as like a late-round guard, like a late first-round guard. Early second round, they took him in the teens, like with their first pick. 
And then they also traded in, traded up into the first round to get Caleb Bagheri, which nobody thought was going to go in the first either. So when that happened, you're looking at it like, oh, they just reached twice. But um, right. I think we have to change the narrative a little bit. These guys aren't rookies anymore. They're growing into their roles. And um, based on what I've seen, the uh, Falcons offensive line has played pretty solid the last couple of games. So I still think, you know, if a matchup, you know, McGarry versus Brian Burns, Burns is supposed to win that. But if you look at it, Burns is supposed to win his last few matchups, and he just hasn't been uh, that explosive player that we're used to seeing. Something's going on in the locker room for sure. You know, I'm going to point at coaching. I'm going to point at that for the rest of the year. I'm not holding our guys accountable no more. Um, we got to find a way to get, get Burns to get some pressure on the quarterback because uh, that's how you disrupt an entire offense, especially Matt Ryan. If you look into our prime years, which, you know, we were winning the division and stuff like that, what we did against what we did well against the Falcons is we kept Matt Ryan on his back. I think that's the key to beating the Falcons, regardless of what the personnel looks like. He's a dynamic quarterback. He's still playing at a high level. For you to defeat him, you got to put him on his back. You got to hit him repeatedly. You see what it does to a young quarterback like Sam Darnold. Same thing works for the for the veterans. You know, you got to keep hitting those guys. So we got to find a way to get after Matt Ryan. Their offensive line is improved. Um, you also got to look at, you know, they're still doing something that we want to do. They're still addressing it. You know, they took Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> That's another guy that was high on my list this past draft. He's on their team. And then from the outside, you're like, well, did they need a right tackle because they got McGarry? It doesn't matter. They had an opportunity to improve. They took him, and now he's playing guard. So, you know, they, they keep addressing it. And you also got to remember they have stability at left tackle. Jake Matthews, I'm not going to say he's the top five left tackle, but he's been pretty solid and consistent throughout his entire year. He's been the staple of that offensive line, and he's still there. And then you see that they went and replaced the uh, – I forgot that center's name, but um, they had a vet center, Alex Mack. Yeah, that's No longer there. But guess what they did? They took Matt Hennessy. So they at least regardless of who changes in, the, in their front office, regardless of what the coaching room looks like, they're still – making a point to address their offensive line. And even though they're in rebuild mode, you can look, it still looks like they're, they're pointing up. That offensive line is trending up. So I wish I could beat them, but um, they excuse my energy tonight. I just feel like we're facing another team that for me is unacceptable to lose to, but out of my four, out of my five games that I look at it's unacceptable to lose to. We're 0-3 right now. We lost to the entire NFCs that we played except the Washington football team. Shouldn't have lost to the Eagles. I hate losing to the Cowboys. And we just lost to my hometown team. So I, my phone is getting blown up. I don't even want to talk football, man, because I don't have any confidence in this team right now. And it's not the players. Again, I'm just going to point that coaching. Yeah, definitely it's a lot of blame to go around. I, you know, personally, you know, I'm with you. Uh at first, I, re- I wasn't really on there with you, and I admit it. You know, I-, I have no problems, you know, confessing some of our four-man rush chat conversation with some of our fans. You know, I, I really felt like that, um, you know, it was more so player execution. But as as this season went on, as we went on this current four-game losing streak, um, I'm starting to see a lot of the things that you were saying starting to point out because something's really just not clicking. Um, it, it just it just seems off. I, I don't know if there's any type of locker room tension over the performance of Sam Donald. You know, uh, I, you know, are the defense getting tired of playing their ass off and he keep putting them in bad situations? 
you know, it's crazy. And, you know, you was talking about Brian Burns' lack of production lately. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I didn't know if you've seen it, but all four of Brian Burns' sacks have came when he's been unblocked this year. I didn't know that. And I was just like, hmm, that's um, – They're scheming – they were scheming those snaps. That's how he's not winning his matchups one on one. It's the same Brian Burns that we've always seen. Remember how last year he had a ton of pressures? That's right. what it seems like this year. He's just getting a ton of pressures. And you can go back two weeks. He had a sack that probably could have won us the game in overtime against Minnesota. Yep. And, he, <laughs> and he didn't bring it home. So I see an overall lack of focus, not just with him, but with the entire team. When you got guys that routinely catch passes that are dropping everything. Your quarterback is not throwing anywhere near them. Line is up, up and down. Defense is giving up points. Like, everything shows a lack of focus, so I can't blame a player. When you have a lack of focus amongst your team, you have to look at leadership. You have to look at the head coach. That's what you have to look at. And like I said, I'm not, I haven't been sold on him. I've always been on that stance where Matt Rule has to prove it to me. Yeah. So I'm not here to say, well, I told you so. I just feel like. Bro, you done took all your picks, invested them on the defense. The defense is supposed to be good. So I know we're we're excited about the future of the defense, but outside of that, what have you improved? I don't see an improvement in in-game coaching. I don't see any improvement on our offensive line where you have overall personnel say. Like I just I gotta keep looking at Matt Rule. And then once I get tired of looking at Matt Rule, guess what I'm looking at? The guy who said, oh, I'm going to sign you up for seven years. So them two are the biggest dudes that I'm looking at right now, and I'm just like, I just want to punch them both square in the face, Matt Rule and David Tepper. Well, what about the third? Let, uh, I know he just came this year, but Scott Fitter, you know, he got a little bit of blood on his hands with this season too. Like, I know that he pissed me and you both off, you know, when we watched the Panthers Confidential. Uh, you know, you know, it got back to us that it was rumored that some of the offensive line coaches got into it with, uh, with him about you know trading back because they wanted to um, draft linemen and he wanted to trade back. Um, so if you want, if you want to punch them to Lee Scott Fitter for me, yeah, uh, you got I, it, man. <laughs> because you, I can't blame. I because the thing is, he has done some good things. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I do like some of the acquisitions, but at the end of the day, you got five number one corners and you have. Dollar Tree offensive lineman. So it's got to be some type of balance. And then you're looking at, if you're looking into the future, I'm over here scouting offensive lineman for next year. And I'm thinking, well, damn, how are we going to be able to pick them when we don't got no picks? So it's like, it's an up and down thing, but he's shown me something positive. I haven't found anything positive to point out about Matt Rule. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, the same, The same thing that happened last year is happening this year. Like, he hasn't done anything to impress me. I don't see us in close games, winning close games. Oh, that was a good coaching move. He hasn't done anything. It's like all I do, all, the most impressive thing that he's done is put a DBO post at practice. That's it. And he making guys run laps like they in college. So it's like, I don't think, I think he's in, he's in over his head. I think he's going to kind of leave us like how Chip Kelly left the Eagles, to be honest with you. Hmm. A lot, a lot to be nervous about. I'm, I'm not sold on that, man. I don't care about no – and then you want me to commit to a rebuild that takes three to four years, fine. But stop making moves that don't appear that you're trying to rebuild. Right. Don't, don't trade assets to go get to go get the same type of quarterback. Like, we didn't get any better at quarterback. I would have just stuck with Teddy, let him play his contract out. 
Teddy right. wasn't great, but we didn't get any better. And then you're trading for Stefan Gilmore, who you'll probably have to pay at the end of the year if you want to keep him. You make moves like that when you're trying to compete. But when we come out every Sunday, I don't see this team trying to compete at all. Like, we're just getting outclassed by teams we shouldn't even be losing to. Yeah, definitely losing your hometown team. It brought me back um, memories of that 2017 loss at the Chicago Bears, you know, when we lost 17 to 3. Uh, rookie quarterback Matt Trubisky only completed four passes and beat us. Um, so, you know, the 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 catch by um, the quarterback for the Giants on the on the throwback to the quarterback. I'm like, you know, that's we've been men to death with that one. I mean, it's just that de definitely one of the biggest losses in franchise history, in my personal opinion. But um, you know, we got to move on and 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 look towards the future. Uh, we look we can move game. on, Kev. But let me ask you another question: When are we going to dominate teams? When are we going to start? When there's been opportunities to blow teams out of the water. Where's the killer instinct at? I haven't found that in this coaching staff either. Nah, I mean, it's definitely not there. Like, I don't know. I would love to know what goes on in practice during the week because it seems like whatever they do during the week and they come out there, it, it, it's like the players are either caught off guard or they're not, they're not ready or they're not being able to adjust to whatever it is that, that's that's been done by the opposing teams uh, again you know there's no reason why you know seven weeks into the season we're still you know getting pressure from defensive line running simple uh defensive twists and stunts with their down linemen like team's not even blitzing us no more to get pressure you know they're either slanting they're doing the tackle in loop um you know they're crossing up the defensive tackles i mean I'm just saying a lot of basic training camp type moves by the defensive line that we, we, we're seeing to giving up pressures. I mean, now, mind you, Sam Donald does hold on to the ball too long at times. So I won't say all six of the sacks on him, but at sometimes, you know, he ain't have a chance either. So it's, it's really like a mixed bag when it comes to who to place blame on for the sacks. Um, I say it's both because I do see what Donald does hold on to the ball too long, but I also see us still getting beat by, day one training camp moves as well. So uh, to answer your question officially, though, uh, it's not going to be this season for us to dominate. Um, I'm mentally preparing in mind now the fact that this team, based on its current level of play, unless they start showing something totally different, we're looking at 3-14. and 14. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. That th Three points to a team that gave up 38 points the week before it's totally unacceptable. We we draw. They flew all the way to New York to kick a field goal. You know. Another thing I wanted to point out before we move on to the next topic, just to further illuminate how coaching is an issue. Um, I watched them. We watched us get sliced in the fourth quarter against the Eagles with the read option. Right, looked like right. we didn't practice defending that. And then you know for a fact that you're going into New York with a team that has a mobile quarterback and they like to do some of that stuff. I'm just going to tell you things that I – like I know how to stop the read option. Usually you have to have somebody take the dive, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a guy that's taking the dive, he has the dive. He don't worry about the quarterback at all. But because he knows he has the dive, he takes that running back out. We don't see that with this team. No. There's no – dislike. we have a whole bunch of talent that's blanketing the fact that this team is not very disciplined. 
A lot of these read option problems are on Brian Burns trying to be trying to be a superhero, being Spider Man. Because if you look at it, he crashing down. If you got quarterback, bro, hit the quarterback. Hit the quarterback actually. Well, if you got running back, tackle the running back. He doesn't either. He doesn't either. Any rep. You showed me a rep where he had an assignment on a read option and he actually took care of that assignment. You don't see it. This team isn't preparing very well. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. It ain't just all it ain't just offensive line. It ain't just quarterback. It ain't just receiver. It's a lack of focus. And this team ain't preparing on Sundays, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it's crazy what you mentioned about the read option because uh, you probably notice it like me. You know, we 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 think that Brian Burns. Well, no, we didn't think Brian Burns is easily talent wise the most talented defense lineman we got. But on these read options, he's the one that's been left unblocked. They're leaving the decision, you know, up to him. So, like you said, it all comes back to, you know, who's who's got response who's who's got responsibility. Is he to dive or pitch? They're not running triple option where you have to you know, worry about, you know, three people. It's only two. But yet and still, we still keep getting getting gassed on, on a very simple concept. Um, and again, true to form. And like I said, I will always give you your props when you write and when I'm wrong. But the uh, the coaching, and I don't know if it's positional coaching um, aspect of it as well. I know it starts with rule, but guy, he got, what, 500 coaches on this coaching staff? Um, I, you know, more is not seen to be doing better. Um, I think each position coach got an assistant from what I've understood. Whatever they are saying or doing is it's not resulting to results on the field. So um, a lot of what may have worked for Rule back at Temple and Baylor, that shit not flying here in the NFL. You know, I, I've yet to see anything that he did well in college that's uh, actually sustained consistent success with the NFL. And I think that this year two experiment, if this is not an eye opener that he needs to adjust um, his from, from personnel moves to X's and O's and whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, you're right. He could be, could be Chip Kelly part two. Um, I mean, the biggest issue is you got so many coaches. A lot of times when you have that many voices, the message can be distorted. Hmm. So maybe that's the issue. You got too many coaches, maybe because you got a you got an offensive line coach and then you got an assistant offensive line coach. I'm just thinking as a player, if my offensive line coach is telling me to do one thing, but my my assistant offensive line coach is telling me to do a different thing, how do you move? And you're dealing with grown men, so with grown men, you can probably you can pretty much skip past the bullshit, make your message clear. It's either going to resonate with me or it's not. So I think he has way too many coaches on the staff. That's one of the biggest things that I've noticed. But I've been speaking this since he came in the door, bro. Everybody praises the man for rebuilding college programs, but I keep telling people. In the NFL, windows are short. Guys only have a certain amount of prime years. You don't rebuild on this level of football. You have to retool. Guy get old, replace him. Can't afford a guy, replace him. But you got to keep that level up. Like, just. Crashing everything down to rebuild it, it doesn't really work at this level. You're going to be bad for a real long time before you get good. Yeah, definitely. And there's one more thing for moving on to this next point since we're talking about from the coaching aspect, our front office. Prime example, the Cleveland Browns have been ass and a butt of jokes for many, many years. We could say over a decade, you know, since they moved back to Cleveland. 
you know, uh, back in, uh, I think it was, what, 99 or whatever. Uh, but once they finally dressed their trenches, now look at them. You know, what, two, three years ago, this was a team that won only one game. You know, but since they properly dressed it, they got, like, the number one offensive line. Uh, their defensive line, I think, has the most quarterback pressures and sacks between uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Like, when you take care of the trenches, it helps take care of everything else. You know, and, you know, like I said, if it turned around a shitty franchise like Cleveland, it, the message is pretty clear. Invest in your trenches, but invest smartly, you know, because Miami invests in their trenches and they're not getting the results either. So you got to be smart. You just can't be just getting just any old type of lineman. But, uh, you know, that's definitely a message to be said. But uh, moving on here to this next point. Um, you know, me and you trench guys, but, you know, we knowledge about the skill positions. I know you touched on a brief about the uh, history between Calvin Ridley and uh, Dante Jackson. Um, you know, I'm looking at the uh, other receivers they got, Russell Gage, uh, this, this other guy, uh, Zacchaeus. And I believe that was the one, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he the one that burnt Dante Jackson in 2019 for that long touchdown where we went cover zero and he was left one-on-one -on -one with him? Was, ain't that the same guy? Yep, we, we need to play some cover zero this week, though. We got the talent to do it. You're going to sit here and and make all these trades and, and, and draft all these corners. You better play some cover zero against Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the biggest matchup one we was looking forward to this preseason was, you know, Kyle Pitts versus Jeremy Chin. Um, you know, as far as, you know, having someone that's able to match up uh, with Kyle Pitts. Um, based on what you've seen so far, um, from Jeremy Chen and Kyle Pitts uh, been coming on, like I said, in the last three weeks. Uh, how you see that potential matchup shaping out between them two? Um, dangerous. You can't leave Jeremy, Jeremy Chen in coverage for too, too long. And if you look at the stat sheet, Kyle Pitts has 10 big plays. So that's a new stat that they're doing on ESPN, but big plays are 20 yards or more. He's got 10 of those plays, and nobody else on that team is close. So when you look at them trying to establish – Big plays, explosive plays, they're looking to get that done through Kyle Pitts. So definitely going to be a challenge for Jeremy Chen this week. I don't know how – it's hard to have confidence, man. Jeremy Chen is athletic enough, talented enough to cover this man, but he's shown some lapses in coverage throughout the season. A lot of the times, you know, guys will just miss the throw and it don't even look bad. But if you look at the tape, Jeremy Chen is very susceptible to giving up big plays. So going to be a challenge for him. It's all going to be about how you prepare. You know what I'm saying? How, how are we preparing this week? Can we go sitting on in some of these position group rooms and see exactly what's going on? I don't know. But that's I look at that, the advantage Falcons right now. It's a chance to get a question in a nutshell. Right. And and for me, um, I, I like to think that, you know, to help, you know, Jeremy Chen out um, and our secondary in general, it would be nice if our, uh, interior defensive linemen can can finally have a uh an impact game together as a group. Now this past week, Dare Brown by himself, um, he had a hell of a game. Now I know that didn't matter much on stats because he was out there so many plays. You know, we look at the stat line, but um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, Daquan Jones, where you at? You know, Morgan Fox, you know, where you at? Um, uh, even the rookie, you know, you've been getting some significant snaps lately, Davion Nixon. Where you at? You know, uh, again, I'm looking at, you know, this interior line of the uh, Falcons, Matt Hennessy at center, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, Jalen Mayfield at 
um, at left guard. Um, I'm thinking that we, 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 you know, what's always gave Matt Ryan problems, as you mentioned earlier, was getting pressure, but particularly up the middle. Um, okay, he has great pocket awareness and can move around in the pocket. We, we, we got to get them, them A gaps and B gaps uncomfortable for him. So I, I would like, I'm, I'm hoping that this could be a game where our interior defense line can finally um, start putting a, a, a stamp on the game um, here. But, uh, uh, another person I think we need to watch out for, and I know his stats don't show, but, you know, just watching a little bit of film that I was able to um, here. Also, Hayden Hurst, you know, let's not forget about him. University of South Carolina product. Um, you know, this season, Hayden Hurst, uh, he's got uh, – he's he's only getting like 16 catches, 138 yards, one touchdown, but uh, he's definitely definitely someone that's um, able to come move the chains as well. You know, a lot of his catches have converted – um, into first downs for the Falcons. So again, while you know so much focus on Pitts, it's a guy like you know Hayden Hurst that's capable of more than capable of you know causing damage um, um, to uh, to your defense here. So just something to be something to be aware about. But um, but flipping over to the other side, you know when the Panthers got the ball against the Falcons defense, uh, you know just speaking with Falcon fans that I've known. Uh, it seems like they feel the way about the Falcons defense the way that we feel about the uh, Panthers offense. So when these two match up, um, it's either going to be a series of blunders and big plays or it's just going to be um, um, it's, it's, it's just going to be it's just going to be something to watch watch out for. Um, you know, particularly the Falcons under their new coach, they've went away from the four three up under. Um, their previous coach, uh, Dan Quinn, and they're now running the three-four uh, defense here. Uh, with the three-four, they got a guy named uh, Tyler Davison at the nose. Uh, one of your favorites that you like, Grady Jarrett at the right defensive end, and a guy named Jonathan Bullard at left defensive end. Um, a guy that we checked out that graduated with, uh, that played at Auburn with there, Derek Brown, Marlon Davison. Um, I see he's a backup behind Grady Jarrett according to the Falcons' depth chart here. Um, they got a pretty solid linebacking core as well. Um, still got Deion Jones and uh, Alu, I think it's uh, Alucon or whatever. Aluakon. Aluakon, yeah. Um, yeah, they pretty much been playing in the middle of the field. So um, this definitely this front four. I mean, this uh, front seven by the, by the Falcons, um, you know, there's talent there. But again, are we in a position where our offensive line can do anything about it? Um, and, you know, listen to Falcon fans, can their defensive line do anything to attack our offensive line? Now, we can vouch for Grady Jarrett. He's bad enough to be a one-man wrecking crew by himself. So I'm sure he's licking his chops when he when he takes a look at our offensive line, particularly of all people I'm saying here. Uh, John Miller, he's now out, our starting right guard, who's eh, – he's been, I guess, okay at Post best. Oh, shit, he's been trash. Come on, bro. Okay. All right. He's been <laughs> trash. You if know. He, 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 if you had an award for the trash's offensive lineman, he's competing with Cam Irving for that award. So, <laughs> okay. John Miller, get him out of here. Well, uh, looked like he out two to four weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, is uh, what uh, what was uh, put out there today. So 
again, we're going to be redealing with another offensive line change. So uh, next man up. And yeah, this has been a perfect opportunity, um, you know, for young guys such as uh, let's see who can be um, could be Trent Scott get some reps at guard now. Um, yeah, I don't know. on the right side, and unfortunately, <laughs> give me Michael Jordan over Daly any day of the week right now. True, true. So what you say? Put Daly at right and leave Jordan at left. Oh, I don't think anybody should come back and take Jordan's spot. I don't know what you're going to do at right guard. I would love to have a healthy Deontay Brown, but, hey, maybe Trent Scott. I just want to talk about Michael Jordan for a second because people want to – people talking about how he gave up a couple sacks, not this past game, but the week before that. That's cool, but when I grade the film, you got to understand, three sacks is only three reps out of 70 reps. So you got to look at what he did on the other 70 reps. One thing that stands out about him is that I can look at the comments. Uh, Bill is asking, how come we're not getting any movement? You know what I'm saying? Michael Jordan has been getting movement in the run game. He gets real movement, and he plays with an attitude. He plays like yes. he's actually three and four and upset about it. So <laughs> he plays with aggression. I, I I don't care what he's giving up. Keep him on the, Keep him in the game because – He's the only one playing with some type of attitude. I think he'll grow into his role as he gets more time. But uh, he was solid this past week. I didn't watch the film yet, but I didn't see him give up too much pressure. I feel like he did a good job of, of maintaining his area. And I think he's a load in the run game. I think he actually tries to move guys. He actually plays with an attitude, something that nobody else does. Taylor Moten doesn't have an attitude. He's a very nice guy. I would love to take a picture with him in person and have some lunch, like, we don't have any nice guys on this. I mean, we don't have any nasty guys on this on this offensive line, but I think we got one now. Michael Jordan, he might be the, the glue to this whole situation. If we can figure out what to do with replacing John Miller, Brady Christensen can grow into that role and improve from week-to-week bad basis, we might be a little bit better by the end of this season. Now, speaking of Brady Christensen here, now – Obviously, he had some struggles. It was his first game against left tackle, but I kind of think that me and your perspective on Brady Christian, because I thought that he had some moments, some stretches in the game in New York where he actually played decent to actually well. Now, Matt Rule came out and say clearly, you know, Brady Christian struggled. And yeah, yeah, he definitely had some, some what the hell plays, but I, I think that I actually saw him actually. Um, I feel like that he actually did some some solid work at times at left tackle as well. How, how would you, based on, like I said, I know you ain't watched the film, but just from your eye test, which is almost like watching film in my opinion, uh, what do you think about Christensen's first uh, start at left tackle? I mean, I just watched the game, but the left side looked more stable than the right side in my opinion. Um, I didn't watch every single snap. I'm probably going to watch it when we're done recording tonight. But – um. You know, I wasn't real high on Brady Christensen. I'm still not, but I think he's better than what we had there at Cam, with Cam Irving. I think Cam Irving is probably the worst offensive lineman we've had since Byron Bell. Um, all I do is really look at the snaps. Somebody on Twitter told me I was I was uh, being biased. I'm like, bro, I'm a Florida State fan. I root for Cam Irving. Like, but he is what he is. I can't – What? Do, how many plays do I have to show you if the ball getting snapped? him trying to move to the second level and block somebody and don't touch anybody. He does a spin move more than Brian Burns, and he's an offensive lineman. It's just 
that was a breath of fresh air to see somebody up, somebody different out there at left tackle. But I'll be able to get back to the fans and let you know how I feel about Brady. I just haven't watched the game yet. I don't want to make any comments where I could be completely wrong. But from what I've seen from the eye test, the left side of the line looked more stable than the right side, and that could have just been because of Michael Jordan. He had a solid game. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Um, so looking at this, you know, when looking at uh, the matchups on the outside here, um, when the, uh, you know, with the DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson, now as everybody know, we're, we're pretty much banged up at the wide receiver spot after him. I think now Sha Smith, who I think is now back, this will be like his third game. I think he's like the de facto number three receiver since Zilstra is on IR. And um, Terrence Marshall is currently up under um, concussion protocol. Uh, I, heard, you know, I heard Keith Kirkwood name a lot on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith Kirkwood, glad that he was able to make a big bounce back. You know, for those of y'all that um, that maybe forgot, he was the one that on the first day of pads uh, that got sent to the um, – uh, he got the hit from that uh, safety. I can't even think of his name, the one that got cut, like, immediately after, um, which I think was unfair, but, you know, that's another story for another day. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely good to see him, you know, have a bounce back. I believe he had, like, three catches, if I'm not mistaken, um, this past game. So, uh, again, another another player get finally getting the opportunity after, you know, putting on a good performance in training camp and preseason. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, definitely heard his name a few times. Yeah, it says he did get uh, – he did have three catches, so. Um, you know, hey, you know, continue to develop these young players in depth. You know, that's that's supposed to be the calling card here up under this uh, rule administration. But, um, again, when I look at this Falcon secondary, uh, you know, forgive me for not being, you know, on all the nuances here, but uh, uh, outside of A.J. Ter- Terrell, who played at Clemson, for all you Clemson fans out there, um, you know, these other cornerbacks, I'm not really seeing anybody that really stands out for me to – you know, really losing his sleepover. I know a guy that I was high on is they got as a backup safety, Richie Grant, out of uh, uh, Central Florida. Um, but uh, outside of that, um, I'm really not seeing anything in the Falcon secondary that's really going to have me to feel like I'm losing sleep um, here. Uh, I see Isaiah Oliver, who, who's who been abused by Panther receivers the last couple of years. He's on the IR. So uh, what do you think about the um, our wide receivers against the secondary? Same as you. I was hoping Isaiah Oliver would be healthy, so we definitely have something to expose, but he's on IR. A.J. Terrell is just a young guy who's still developing. I think D.J. wins that matchup. But the reason why it's no point of us having any focus on this is because we can't get our weapons involved and we can't protect them, but uh, we can't protect the quarterback if the quarterback can't make the right throws. At this point, I'm seeing guys open. He's just missing them. Um, we can't create big plays because we don't hold our blocks long enough. Like you said earlier, it's a mixed bag between us not consistently protecting them and him seeing ghosts and just being rattled So and holding the ball too long. So I, I don't even – what's the point of us talking about that if we don't know if we can get those guys, if we can get DJ Moore and Robbie and all those guys involved. You know what I'm saying? Of course this is a secondary that we can expose. Everybody else has been doing it. Everybody else is putting up points on this defense. Why can't we? Everybody else is putting up points from the Giants too, but <laughs> coaching, man, coaching, something's got to be, something's got to give. This team is not focused. 
And that's really rare for a coaching year, too. Usually you guys have already bought into your message and they're trying to get better. Every time we go on the team, every time we show up on Sunday, I feel like this team is trying to get worse. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's definitely something. I don't know if they need one of those old player-only meetings or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm hearing we're supposed to be getting Shaq Thompson back um, this week. Um, you know, I know that he's definitely one of the leaders on this team. Um, was playing well before he got hurt. Um, like I said, we can only speculate as fans on uh, why why this team is playing below its capabilities. Um, but, hey, man, like I said, I'll be in Atlanta for this game. So I'll be coming down there. I don't know what your work schedule going to be like. Uh, big smooth. I'm, well, I'm, get- I'm off for Sundays. I'm just I'm doing my 10-day smoothie cleanse, so I can't. I can't get shit faced if we get destroyed out there. So I'm gonna have to take this one on the chin, pause. All right. So yeah, so look forward to getting up with you and uh have another four-man rush collabo in the ATL. Um, you know, I'll be getting down there Saturday morning, staying till Monday morning. So um, hey man, just uh see how it goes. But um, yeah, that's pretty much you know the breakdown of the matches from our perspective here. Uh, just go back up here. I've been sharing some of my fans' comments here. Just uh, go through some of them here with you. Uh, first one up, you know, our boy, A.J. Jackson. He was talking about um, Keith Taylor. Uh, he's way ahead of schedule as far as development. Um, I would agree. He's, you know, he's definitely been he's definitely been a, a fifth-round pick. That's definitely uh, has surprised and played well. I've seen him be scrappy, uh, even feisty some. Um, uh, I like him. You know, hey, what's uh, what's our cornerback coach name? Because he probably one of the only good coach on the roster, and you could tell he. Oh, <laughs> uh, you look at the war room; he was right there with Matt Rule. I think he has a uh, a big future. But if you pay attention, man, past two seasons, outside of a guy named Troy Pride, all these guys have been developing from from corners to safeties. Like, you, if you if there's anything to be excited about, it's been the secondary for sure. Um, I think that has a lot to do with how they're being developed, but they got a pretty good, pretty good uh, DB coach, and you got to get decent. Your defensive coordinator has a DB background, so not not surprised with Keith Taylor. Got to got to give uh, our boy Vince Holmes some grace because Vince Holmes is the one that told us about Keith Taylor, I believe. Uh, uh, nope, that was your boy. You know, oh, I showed you? the receipt. I showed the receipt. That was- <laughs> Yeah, I showed the receipt. Yeah, back in uh, January 11th when I was looking at uh, I forgot what game I was watching, and uh, he just kept sticking out. And I was like, uh, "Yo, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert on oh, DBs, but you got, yeah." So, um, yeah, I think when Oregon was playing Washington, I was watching a uh, Panay Sewell, and uh, Keith Taylor kind of stuck out to me. So I was uh, telling guys, you know, hey, you know, might want to check this guy out. So, but yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Tony Overcast says we have no depth on offense. True. You spent mm-hmm. all of your picks on defense since your new coach has been here. So what you expect? <laughs> Ain't much to say there. No. And and still to this day, on day one of free agency, we signed Cam Irvin and Pat Elflin. Who I thought were de- who I thought was going to be death moves, but. <laughs> Clearly, we was wrong. Wrong in a motherfucker. 
All right, this next one up, uh, Stevante Mackey says, it's okay if everybody don't get it together. Everybody's fired. I'm sick of this shit. Donald gives me Jake vibes. <laughs> Which um, <laughs> I think hey, talking about, I think he's talking about post surgery, Jake Jake alone. Yeah, because 03 to 07, Jake um was a bad boy. Um you go back back then, he he put up top 10 QB numbers every year uh, during that era. Yeah. Say what you want. Uh <clears> one <throat> of the original fans of the four-man rush, Mr. Bill Spire says. We can get some run block and we act as success with the Falcons D line. Yeah. 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 That's a big if. That's the that's the if of the room. Um I I think Chuba Hubbard's been um getting better um since he's uh been known to be the starter without McCaffrey a few weeks, wouldn't you say? Well, the thing is, if you look at the past three weeks, the run game has gotten better. It was just it was just this past Sunday where we didn't run the ball like we should have. But we've been getting movement, especially with the with the guards. I mean, I think Daly was doing a good job before uh, Michael Jordan came in, and now Michael Jordan is moving people. We have the we have the opportunities to run the ball. So I don't understand those Matt Rule press conferences. But bro, running the ball, you've been having success. You've been having more success than throwing it. I don't know why you can't get back to the run game, but I absolutely believe. There's opportunity to establish the run against the Falcons, especially with their best D lineman, Grady Jarrett. That's where he's not good at. He's an undersized D lineman. You can move him and get some space. You can open up holes against the Falcons, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm did this with Bill because uh, you know we're former we're fans of WFNZ here. Uh, former Panther Al Wallace. He says, "Did you guys hear Al Wallace today on WFNZ?" He said there are distinct differences in college game planning and pro. He said it's clear that Rule and Brady are not prepared to do this, which falls right in line with uh, what you've been saying, Smooth, from, from the jump, you know, in over the heads. In over their heads, but guess who signed them up for seven years? Let's see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Brass Balls that y'all be bragging about. Man, man, ain't made a good decision for this team yet. We revolving door at quarterback. Because I guarantee he'd be calling downstairs saying, oh, go get a quarterback. Hey, hard to say he's not. Got Scotty punch- Smith here. Oh, go ahead. I want to punch him square in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scotty Smith here says, offense like they never practice. They just show up and run the same plays. Plays that take too long to develop when you have a bad O-line. Where are the screen passes that would help keep defenses honest? With our top five pick, okay, I guess we're solidified. Are we going to take a QB or a left tackle? (laughs) It's hard to establish. It's hard to get the screen game going when teams know that they only have to rush forward to get pressure. So there's no, there's no, there's not a lot of blitzing. There's not a, a lot, a lot of aggression and trying to get to our quarterback because it's really not that hard to get to him. So, for the screen game to work, you gotta you gotta be able to catch a defense off guard. We can't do that because these guys are just simply rushing three or four guys and getting pressure. So, the screen game doesn't help us much right now. But outside of outside of that, I'm all I. You just the writing's all the writing's on the wall. Everything that you're saying is true. Uh, left tackle, a quarterback with a top five pick. I don't know, man. I, I like uh, 
I like Jamari Seller from Georgia. I don't know if he's worth a top five pick, but he's a guy that I'd like to go ahead and get if we can go ahead and get him. Or yeah. uh, Evan Neal from Alabama. It's, he's a, he's in low, so I don't know. Definitely not quarterback, if you ask me. <laughs> the two guys on this platform right now, we're never going to get a quarterback. Yeah, no. pick, but. Hey, and, and I know it's early in the I know it's early in the process, but um, since we don't have no day two picks, I, I know he may not be seen. But from what I've seen, just just this year on him, what, whatever we wherever we picking at in top five, top ten, I mean, unless there's another uh, tapper that stands out, I would take him, and and, and won't sleep bad about it. <laughs> you know, so we'll 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 see what develops because. Look like we're going to be um, investing more time looking at college draft and playoff possibilities at this rate that we're on now. Um, let's see. Got another long-time former supporter, Elvon Friend, says O-line is the problem. Sam Donald has lost confidence in the O-line, I think. Yeah, that goes a lot wrong with what you said earlier, Smooth. I mean, you know, the O-line is, is, is not giving Sam Donald any confidence, which – I think what he needed the most to try to turn things around. It's uh yeah, we can point to the old line, but we've made that clear as day before we even took a snap into this season where it was gonna be. We knew the old line was gonna be garbage. Um Sam is definitely rattled, but he also doesn't have confidence in himself and he doesn't have confidence in his receivers because they're not catching the ball from him like they're supposed to. Especially his favorite target. So it is what it is. All right, got this next come up here coming from uh, Mike Dupree. He says Shaq will come back and be exhausted with the rest of the defense. Uh, I don't know about that. I think Shaq might might get might be able to uh, get these guys to uh, gather back up. You know, I, I really haven't seen that that defensive enforcer since he's been out. As far as you know, giving the guys that that juice, that energy that they need. Um, that's just me personally. So. I think the actual opposite might is going to happen when I'm Shaq Thompson come back. Uh, that's just me personally. All right, and smooth this next one. Uh, you was chatting up with him um, yesterday on our IG page, uh, Chaka Smith. Uh, he said y'all need to be looking at Oregon. They have some outstanding linemen. Um, of course, you know Panay Sewell from Oregon was our big crush uh, last year, even though he set out the 2020 season. Um, I know the uh, one Oregon game I watched earlier this year, I was really impressed uh, with their uh, offensive line. So, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a place we'll uh, definitely be taking a look at as we evaluate all the offensive linemen um, in this upcoming draft. But, um, yeah, Oregon has definitely put out some good products lately um, from the trenches. Um, we're going to do one more here. Um, says – how about the struggles after halftime is definitely coaching. I can't figure us out in the third quarter. I really can't. It is I don't even expect us to, to score now in the third quarters. I really don't. I mean, they're coaching. What else you want to what else can we say? Because it's, it's <laughs> clear as day what the issue is with this team. Um, we don't gotta be at the meetings, we don't have to be at practice to tell that there's a coaching issue here. Like I said, guys aren't playing motivated, guys are not playing focused, and guys are not executing, and we come out flat after halftime, which tells you 
we're not very good at making halftime adjustments. The number one issue I have with this football team is in-game coaching. In-game coaching, Matt Rule never seems to have an advantage. Like, when do you say, oh, damn, Matt, Matt outcoached them today? I haven't seen it yet. We haven't blown the team out yet. We haven't been clicking on all cylinders to a point where – I'm talking about in two seasons – to a point where we hanging 30, 40, 50 points on nobody when we got the skill positions and the weapons to do it. We don't do that. We play down to our competition. That's another – a sign that shows you that coaching is an issue. When you play, when you don't play your game, but you play to your you play to your, your opponent, you play to their level, that tells you that there's an issue with coaching as well. But yeah, man, hot seat, hot seat for me, bro. I told y'all in August, if uh Matt Rule didn't cut these losses in half, which would equate to nine to eleven wins. He would be on my hot seat. So definitely look like that seat is getting warm for him. I wish I could make decisions for this fan base and, and get him get him up out of here, but what are we gonna do? Maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about uh possible coaching po- possible coaching possibilities or vacancies later on in the year. Like who can replace Matt Rule? Let's get to that topic, man, in December. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, it's definitely been real hard to get more optimistic watching how this team plays. The thing, you know, uh, it can get turned around. So um, until we get that signature performance and win, you know, hey, um, you know, one thing about the four-man rush, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to, you know, paint flowers and daisies. You know, we're going to call it exactly how it is. This team ain't impressed, y'all, man. Don't, like, it's all smoke and mirrors. We was excited about the defense. But if you're using your day one picks on defense every year, your defense better be good. And it's still not as good as it's supposed to be. So there's nothing to be excited about. There's nothing I don't I'm not I don't I don't have any confidence in this in this stat. Nobody in the front office. I think it starts in the press box with David Tepper. There's nothing to be excited about. There's no reason why your most important position group is the worst on the team. Then your second most important position is one of the worst in the league. So it is what it is, man. Yeah. You got five number one corners. You got depth corners that are really good. Your cornerback room is insane, but you have Dollar Tree offensive linemen. I, I, I'll never understand that. <sighs> yeah, man. Like I said, we just gotta we just gotta stomach through this thing, man, and see what options are available as uh, as this. Uh, 2021 season plays itself out. Well, as far as the matchup for the game, that's pretty much it with me and Smooth. Um, definitely shout out to um, you know our regulars on here, Will, who's uh, who's out in Vegas handling work for his job. Uh, Jadarius is working as well, so you know this was a uh, the trench guys holding it down for this particular podcast. Uh, just to let you guys know, I don't know how many of y'all was thinking about possibly. Uh, coming to Atlanta for this game. I just happened to look it up just now. Ticketmaster, uh, their tickets are starting at $37, uh, sitting in the uh, 300 sections. Uh, so uh, if anybody's thinking about coming down, just to have an excuse to go to the A. Uh, you know, I know it's Halloween weekend, so, you know, if you got to do things with the kids, understand. Uh, but me, you know, um, I'm definitely looking forward to coming down there. Uh, like I say, get up with you, Big Smooth. I heard a couple other, uh, you know, Panther fans going to make the trek down. A couple of good P 
people and friends with the Falcons, you know, want to link up. So, hey, man, just going to make the most of it. And like I said, man, psych myself up to think this chance is going to play well enough to get a win and see yeah, how I play. Better, I know how I sound, but we better beat the Falcons. We better, I, won't, I won't be too happy after the game if we beat them, but we better beat the Falcons. I can't. Bro, every team that I can't stand losing to, we've lost to. So we got to break the trend this week. Definitely got to beat these Falcons, man. I, I got to eat some bird. I'm on a 10-day smoothie fast, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I say, once once this thing wears off for me about round wins, yeah, I'll be uh I'll be back on my be, be back on my um let's kick the ass routine. I'm still just can't believe we flew all the way up to New York for three fucking points, man. Fuck. Hey, I lost forty dollars selling my ticket. I wasn't about to put myself through that, man. I'm sorry. Cause when you lose to the Giants in Giants Stadium, bro, in MetLife, it's hard getting to your car, bro. Very hard. Right. Some of the rudest fans in the world, bro. I wasn't gonna put myself through that, man. I'm good. Yeah, man. Did, did, did grandma call you up after the game? Oh, she did. She was happy. She was like, it was like neither one of us is going anywhere, but hey, good game. Yeah, man. Well, folks, again, just want to thank you guys for joining us as always. Thank you for all the support in Four Man Rush. Uh, thank you for kicking us with us on our different social media platforms, particularly Facebook, Twitter. Um, we'll get this over here to uh, uh, get uh, edited and hooked up, and we'll have this dropped out in a couple of days for you guys. Uh, but again, we just want to thank you all for supporting Four Man Rush. Uh, Big Smooth, any final thoughts with you? No, man. Keep pounding. And, uh, keep your heads up till we get a new coach. Yep. And definitely, like I said, man, if uh, if any of y'all had the ability to come to Atlanta this weekend for this game, hey, let's get up here and make some noise, man. Let's, let's show the boys, even though they've been disappointing, man, we still got love for them, even though it's hard, you know. It's easy to love when you're winning, but it's best to love when things are hard, so. Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to be in there and I'm going to be loud and share my ass off to, to the clock strike zero. So, All right. Well, on behalf of everybody here on the Four Man Rush, we want to thank you guys uh, again. So we're getting ready to sign off here. Catch everybody, on the, uh, catch everybody out there on social media. On behalf of Big Smooth, my name is uh, Big Country Kev. Y'all have a good evening. Keep pounding and what a rush. <laughs>